0: This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand.
1: This is One Night Stand. Brought to you by SeatGeek. Use promo code UCFProblems for $20 off your ticket order when sports get back on. What up, night fans? It's Monday, May 4th. On today's show, we're going to discuss our new Built by UCF Knights on NFL teams. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the new NCAA rule that will allow players to make money off their likeness, potentially. We are going to re-air our interview from last year with Marcus Jordan. Um, Everyone's been watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan on ESPN Sunday Nights, and Marcus was in there a bit, and we had a really good interview with him. We talked about... Uh, what it was like growing up, obviously, as Michael Jordan's son, which is insane to think about. And also, he went really in-depth in, depth in uh, talking about how he wore Jordans and we ended up losing the Adidas contract and switched to Nike. And it was actually the first time he spoke on air about that. So that was pretty cool. Um, we're going to do our Fab Five Most Exciting Games to rewatch to pass the time um, during all this craziness and also answer all your questions on Moo's Mailbag. And I'm here with Money Moo. Just wanted to make sure that everyone is staying
2: safe with this national lockdown order. Uh, that seems to be an easing of the restrictions here in uh, the last few days and, and will be in the coming days as well. Uh, so we just want to make sure that everyone's staying safe so that we can actually have a college football season this year. Yeah, wash your hands so we
1: can have football. Yeah. Like seriously. <laughs> if you don't care about anyone else around you, you're selfish, whatever. Just do it for football, like, if you can't find another excuse, because we're, I mean, just the fact that we're discussing not having a season is insane, so as fans, we need to do everything we can to prevent that from happening. And I also
2: wanted to say congratulations to all the new grads of UCF this past weekend, even though it wasn't the graduation that everybody wanted due to the circumstances. You know, it kind of sucks, but it was the best that... They could do.
1: I mean, you know, people. I I've seen a lot of people like, you know, people are upset on, people are upset about you know not getting to finish their senior year, not getting to walk out of that last class. I mean, looking back, I don't even remember what my last class was. I was just like so ready to get it over. Probably all online. Yeah, (laughs) but um, I mean, in hindsight, it won't be that big of a deal. It does stink. Um. But I I don't know. I mean The biggest thing is just having memories from
2: the other, you know Exactly four maybe four and a half years, Five. depending on what depending on what uh Yeah you know, you studying and whatnot. I mean how many times you changed been been major? Out of, yeah. <laughs> I've been out of school, you know, nine years now, so I feel like the only thing I remember is like the first three years where I actually had fun and not the fourth year where I had a job and
1: Yeah. The fourth and fifth year sucked. Uh, I had a fifth year because the fourth year sucked.
2: All right. So anyway, back to our uh, what we were going to
1: talk about. What have we been doing? <laughs> I know, I'm sure you guys are all very excited to hear. Um, poker. I know you've seen my tweets. <laughs> online poker. On- yes. Online poker. Very fun. Uh, we're getting some big,
2: some bigger tables, some bigger action going going on um yeah no it's
1: it's fun we got a nice group going on just send me a message if you want to join it uh we play pretty much every night um besides that had a
2: zoom happy hour with carson hosted by none other than the carson engel
1: yes um no one tried to strangle him <laughs> <laughs>
2: well that was pretty fun and um we're looking to do that again here soon Probably, yeah. We just didn't we, want to do it like every week. Yeah, it's kind of get boring. Well, the
1: first one was fun, and then the second one, we all got on, and there was like nothing left to talk about. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, yeah, because uh, nothing's happened. I know. Since, since. <laughs> yeah, we there was that uh, the stupid Twitter poll that we won. Woohoo! That
2: was great. Yeah. Not well. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that people were retweeting, and you know, people were posting it on a, a couple of the different. Facebook groups and stuff like they're really getting into it, but then again, like that is you the UCF way, like making everything a competition,
1: yeah. You know, I mean, dude, there's these little stupid college football accounts that have like 3,000 followers that do these polls year round, like, there's always one going on, and people always DM me and they're like, dude, you gotta retweet this, retweet. I'm like, it's the same thing over and over, and I kept telling people that for this one, but then all of a sudden. UCF's like main social media started promoting it too. So I'm like, all right, I'm on board.
2: <laughs> but I don't even know what it, like, what were we even voting for? Like best fan base or? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Biggest a- mascot? Anytime, <laughs> any- Honestly, I don't even read the polls half the I time. I just click. If if someone tweets out and there's an option to pick UCF, I just pick them.
1: Click it and forget it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. Could be a trap though. You know, yeah, watch well, out. What, what, like what's what, the worst school? Yeah, worst school ever. And the UCF <laughs> is a is an option. I might actually cause
1: you can't like undo a vote. Yeah. I don't think. Um, well, anyway. Oh, speaking of Twitter polls, also uh UCF football was doing March Madness for uniforms. Uh I think they're somewhere in the middle of it. But that kind of brings up a good point. What uh what do you think your favorite uniform is? This is
2: from like the frost era on. Oh, no doubt that uh the number one uniform for me is the all white in twenty eighteen I think Memphis the at Memphis game oh it was yeah like white helmet and like just kind of a little grayish nitro like on the side was it the silver it was yeah it was like gray or silver, but it was white pants white jersey white every the iced out
1: that was uh the mackenzie milton like yeah. The or not the Matumbo, but like the quiet, and then right. when he flipped into the end zone too. I like those. You know what I also like too is the white ones we wore against UConn to start off the beginning of the hypo area era. The white ones with the gold numbers. Like oh the, yeah, yeah. The white yeah. version of the Black Friday jersey that's actually really ugly with the stupid white collar. Um, I like that. Speaking of that
2: game, that's a really underrated game to start off the hypo era. I mean, that was when UConn... I remember I picked UCF uh, as one of my Money Moves picks. and We um,
1: were, like, what, 17-point favorites? Yeah, it was,
2: like, 17-point favorites, and I think we won by, like, 50.
1: I predicted the exact score really? and left it in my Twitter drafts. But I have a screenshot of it. Oh. 56. That uh, doesn't count. Oh, I know. <laughs> I didn't even mean to not send it. I, like, didn't have service, so it, like, went to my drafts. But yeah, 56-17. Uh, that was cool. That was the... um. I mean, we had no idea what was going to happen with Hypo coming. Like, we remember, like, we were completely in the dark. And then, dude, just bomb after bomb after bomb. And I'm like, holy crap, Hypo runs a way more, like, downfield deep shot offense than Frost does. Frost was, like, a kind of small quick plays. Hypo was, like, run up to the line of scrimmage, run quick, run up to the line, bomb. bomb. Yeah. And Ram- that was also, Rainbow. that was Trey Nixon's first game, too. And uh, I think he had a nice touchdown grab in yeah. that one. And also, that was... Um, the old basket catcher. That was that one play with KZ, like, dude, he was just rolling. I was actually to Trey Nixon. He rolled out to the right and then just on the run, drops a, like a 50-yard dime to Trey Nixon right in the corner of the end zone. I'm like, dang, this kid's good. It doesn't <laughs> matter who's coaching him.
2: Yeah. Good times. Love- then you had the Mac the Daryl Mack like eighty yard run. It's just I don't oh, know yeah. it's just fun to like beat up on UConn.
1: I know. It's a nice, nice warm up game. Oh, the Mac run, that's when he like ran and his dad was right there in the end yeah. zone, right? <laughs> oh, what an epic picture. Oh man, I miss football. All um right. what <laughs> next thing. Okay, so the NFL draft was uh I guess about a week and a half ago. We had Gabe Davis drafted in the fourth round to the Buffalo Bills um so congrats to him very well deserved I think that's a good fit um but before we talk about the UCF guys what were your thoughts overall on just the whole draft and stuff because it was kind of like a I was kind of skeptical going into the whole thing because there were no personalities they were all on like zoom and stuff and I didn't really know how it would work out I, I don't know what What did you think of the whole draft
2: I thought they learned a lot as as far as like the connections and everything I mean think about it like so many different uh, war rooms or people's houses or whatever, whether it being the coaches, the GMs, or the players, it kind of went flawlessly. I thought I was so surprised. You know, I
1: think I—I I don't know about you. I was just sitting there waiting for like something to go wrong, something real bad. I was rooting yeah. for like I don't know what, like some kind of mistake or like cutout. But I mean, if you think about it, it's not really that complicated. Like even if your internet goes out, just like text him your draft pick or whatever but um it was cool to see inside all these coaches homes i thought that was yeah. awesome like uh with the vikings guy with like all the dead animals and stuff on his wall um mike vrabel had his sons like dressed up as some weird yeah. thing dude he had the fat fattest- oh, ozone yeah. guy
2: from the incredibles <laughs>
1: and he had he had the fattest dip in the whole time <laughs> oh mike also Z- mike zimmer was a vikings coach oh. also dipping the whole time
2: well, there was this conspiracy theory on Vrabel's other son that oh, there was
1: some like, ba-
2: yeah, like you could see him like taking a poop.
1: No, he was just <laughs> sitting on a bench or something. That's what they said, yeah.
2: but I'm not too sure about that.
1: I don't know. I mean, I feel like if there's a webcam in your house, you're gonna make sure there's no like. Well, it was bouncing off
2: a mirror? I, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, no, but- I think the whole draft it, it was pretty entertaining to watch for for what the draft is i mean yeah
1: uh little little too much roger goodell clearly is not very comfortable being in front of a camera <laughs> he was a little awkward but you know in some weird way i have like more respect for him after this like for the first time i actually saw him as like a regular human being and not just i mean he only does suit yeah, yeah he only does like two press conferences a year you never get like open media availability he's always kind of just reading off a script and you kind of saw him as like a person and like you saw him exciting uh being excited for picks, he like hugged the T V or something with one guy which is <laughs> which was weird because the guy seeing it only saw him hugging the opposite way. <laughs> like <Right. laughs> I didn't
2: catch that, but one one thing I did miss that I kinda do like about the draft is, you know, sort of the later rounds they always have like a celebrity or like the team's number one fan like announce it. Announce the pick. Yeah. That that's one thing that I missed.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um one other cool thing about it though is that having the cams in like almost every like possible draft picks house was really cool you know for the for the first rounder guys that like missed the whole going on st- dude it was gonna be at the Bellagio like in a floating yeah. oh yeah floating state I mean that would have been awesome but I mean at the same time your first round draft pick like whatever but uh that, that kind of stinks for those guys but you know for a lot of the, the I guess the later round guys like the there was more live cameras in, in more people's places than normal. Like, normally, it's only a couple. And we got to see reaction shots from, like, way more people. And Reaction uh, shots.
2: And my wife really enjoyed seeing everyone's furniture and interior colors. <laughs> that was one thing that I feel like a lot of, you know, if you're a girl, you're always thinking, like, what do her, other people's yeah, houses I look like? No, no, I, <laughs> I get that. So she,
1: even she was kind of into it a there little bit. There you go. Hey, any excuse? And I thought where you where you were going with that was she was watching the uh the girlfriend's reactions because there were some funny ones there was uh that too the the girl trying to take the phone from was it cd lamb yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) he like snatched it back (laughs) and then there was two moms that like someone tried to get in the camera shot to give him a hug and the mom like shoved him away (laughs) so uh yeah but overall i think it went um I think it went pretty well, and another kind of unexpected side effect of this is I heard John Lynch, GM of the 49ers, on TV the other day, and he was like, you know, I think what we learned from all this is, you know, normally before, like, coming up to the draft, the coaches are all in the building, like, 16 hours a day grinding this crap out, and he's like, I think from now on we're going to do, like, once we all have our meetings and stuff and you you just go into film study, everyone's going to go home for two weeks and do it at home, and they, like, actually... Found that it was a much better thing. I mean, these coaches like their lives are football twenty four seven. They don't have much family time, and I think they've seen through this that they can accomplish what they need to while also not having to be in the building. You know, twenty four seven leading up to it. Yeah. So,
2: I mean, it's kind of a good thing that like this yeah. is go. This whole work from home thing is going to start spreading everywhere. I man. agree.
1: I think so many businesses are realizing that like they don't have to have their employees there every day. Like meet once a week, and then you can have less office space too. You know, I mean, we do everything on a computer anyway, which made it very easy for people to work from home. I mean, if this was like the 90s, like you can't really like work from home. Right? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, there's some good stuff to come out of it, I guess. All right.
2: Now let's go on to the UCF guys that got drafted. Gabe Davis, fourth round pick to the Buffalo Bills. How do you like that fit, Moo?
1: What do you think? I love it. Yeah?
2: I think... You know, Even with the addition, so Stefan Diggs, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings. They traded for them, right? Yep, yeah, is now Bills. on the Bills. And yeah, I mean, the Bills have some good receivers. Other Bills on that probably will be above Gabe on the depth chart, John Brown, the speedster, kind of short guy, mm-hmm. and then Cole Beasley. Uh, but
1: after that, you know. If Gabe Davis can't beat out like a 5'9 white dude, <laughs> come on. Cole Beasley's good, though. I'll give yeah. him that, but still. I mean, I'm not saying that
2: you know, he won't be better than than those people, but yeah. I guess just starting off, like he's not gonna be thrust into a starting position like right away, which right. is fine.
1: I mean that's how Traquan that's was what, that's what fourth round yeah, that's, I mean
2: that's just exactly kind of like the Traquan role. Yeah, he like, was going to be behind Ted Ginn and Michael Thomas, but he still gets pl- plenty of playing time and
1: well in his rookie year he wasn't even a starter and then he ended up being the third receiver like halfway through the year um i mean you don't draft players to be backups they draft him with the intention of him ending up being a starter it just takes a little time especially for receivers you know um rookie wide receivers in fantasy are like the worst thing to draft cuz they take like half the year just to like start to do anything almost always uh besides michael thomas but yeah no i think i think it's a good fit um buffalo gonna be a little bit of culture shock for him yeah that's lived in you know central florida his whole life Uh, well
2: didn't he say like when he went up to new york um didn't he visit with like jay-z or something yeah because he's a he's signed with rock nation said he'd never seen snow before (laughs) (laughs) Buffalo, buffalo (laughs) a couple inches dropping there every year
1: yeah um that'll be cool i mean you know honestly i've i feel like i've been looking for an excuse to be a bills fan my whole life, because like I love watching their crazy videos, like jumping through tables and stuff. Yeah. Now at we, least they're a passionate fan base, and I think it will
2: bode well for Gabe because he's such a nice guy; he's very personable.
1: He'll he'll get along real good right. with the fan. He's gonna embrace. They're him. gonna love him. Yeah. Too. Um. So uh, th- the Bills announced the other day that he's gonna be wearing number three, which you can't wear in the regular season, but but because the rosters are so big in preseason, um, they can wear single digits, but. So I was like, okay, who has 13? Because I know when he got drafted, the first thing I did was I looked at the Bills roster and saw number 13 was empty. So I'm like, oh, Davis will get 13. So when the Bills announced he had number three, I was like, okay, someone must have got 13, right? Nope. I go to their roster, no number 13, but he still has three. And also two number 11s. So I don't know if they're just messing with me at this point or what. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I I agree with you. I think that's going to be a good fit. Uh, like you said, you know our mid-round um former draft picks have all found good homes. You know Traquan, uh, Shaquille Griffin, for the Seahawks. Um, well, actually, when have we had someone drafted? Almost
2: every year. I think it was like thirteen out of the last fourteen
1: years we've had somebody drafted. Cause we had we had Tristan last year, nineteen draft. 18 season, wait, right? Yeah. And then 18 draft was the one with Traquan, Akins, and Mike Hughes in the first round. 17 draft was Shaquille? Yeah. So the All right, so the the only year we haven't had someone drafted in like the last 15 years was after the 0-12 season, yep. I guess is the point I was trying to get at. USF, how many people they have drafted? Zero. What about last year? Another zero. Oh, meanwhile, to the west, um, no, our, our our good friend Bitchel Wilcox <laughs> got signed by the uh, by the Bengals, which is actually funny because that's where Jordan Franks—he's on the practice squad as a tight end. Loves that block button, <laughs> old Bitchel. He's blocked like
2: all of UCF. If you have UCF in your name on your Twitter handle, auto block. Yeah,
1: from him. I mean, that's why he's habitual wilcox yeah, like, you just can't handle the heat can't take the heat get I've, out blocked, of the kitchen. I've blocked no one i've on never Twitter. i got close to blocking that stupid um what's the old cowboys jason, the jason garrett like fan page you know what i'm talking oh, about oh yeah the, yeah the, one of the oresco or burner accounts which we still can't get to the that bottom means of. you can't handle the heat no I, I just i i figured out i can just mute the because conver- he'll just he'll get in an argument with someone on like a reply to my tweet and i'm not even involved in the conversation but it just like chews up my mentions uh, but yeah, I don't block anyone. No, come on. If you need to block someone, you shouldn't be on Twitter. Like that's what Twitter's for—is talking crap. Right. So. So anyway, all right. So that's enough of that.
2: Let's go on to let's talk about the other players. They did have we did have three other players who pretty much immediately sign undrafted free agent contracts. First one I think that was announced was Adrian Killins, AK to the Philadelphia Eagles, which I think is an extremely good fit for him. They Um, didn't
1: draft a running back this year. They did Sproles
2: retired, too. Yes, they did. So I'm looking at the Eagles depth chart. Right now, it's running back. They have Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Corey Clement, and Elijah Holyfield. Now... Interesting note of the Eagles' depth chart as well. Former Houston quarterback turned wide receiver Greg Ward Jr. is on the Eagles right now.
1: Oh, he was like their best player in the play. which I don't even know how they got to the playoffs. And then they almost won with, yeah, so, uh,
2: with a backup quarterback. I mean, you never know. I mean, Killens is a pretty versatile guy. I feel like we've used him. He's a good pass catcher, I know that. So they might use him out of the backfield to be a pass catcher, a third down back.
1: I think it's a great fit for him. I mean, they've got a very smart coach. I mean, dude, this coach won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles at quarterback. I mean... He could be a gadget player. He knows how to make use players to get the best out of their abilities. Like, Nick Foles is not a Super Bowl MVP caliber player normally, but he tailored the offense around him. So he's not going to force Killens to, you know, run up the middle. Right. (laughs) And just, you know...
2: Basically, just due to his size, he's never going to be like an every down back in the NFL. It's just... Yeah. It's not going to no work. No one's in...
1: Besides Saquon Barkley, no one is an every true. down. Even Zeke Elliott that's very only true. plays like a couple downs.
2: But I could see him being like kind of like a Tavon Austin or maybe even how, you know, the Chargers used to use Austin Eckler yeah. as a very good pass catcher. And com- a good running back, Complimenting, too. you know... Melvin Gordon. Uh, first or second down back. Yeah so no,
1: I, I think it's a great fit for him I think he, he definitely has a good shot I, he's I'm pretty sure he's going to make the roster and actually I talked to him the other day and uh he said he's up to 180 pounds which that's big for him he's normally like 165 from what we're seeing him at so he's put on some uh put on some pounds and I'm glad he was able to find a good home you know a lot of these players especially from a school like us where we don't normally get all the combine invites. They kind of got screwed by not having a pro day. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah, I mean that that stinks and you know, luckily, like These, what do you
2: think Killens would have ran a 40?
1: <sighs> dude, he it would have been Why a Why f- doesn't he just do it? I that's I, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, dude, just put a video out like Well, how do they cl- how do they clock
2: 40s on pro days? There's like a la- the laser watch? thing? Okay, you can't yeah. like get a laser thing and just go out on the field and see.
1: Well, I mean, or if you just post the video, you can yeah. time it yourself, or like have a you know, uh, like, look at the video time. No, I agree, but
2: hey, whatever. Maybe whatever. Ju- maybe just rewatch that Memphis the eighty yard touchdown
1: run he had against Memphis. So there you know go. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares what the number is? Just look. I mean, yeah, exactly. Eye test, right? Um. Also, Nate Evans signed with the Jaguars. I guess you know, hometown, oh no, he's from New Orleans. Well, close to UCF, I guess. We've always had a good Jacksonville connection and then uh Neville Clark to the Vikings. So, his dad told me he had uh he had about 12 offers from different teams. Um yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. It's almost better to not get drafted than get drafted in like the 7th round. Yeah, you Be- can kind of like pick where you want to go. You pick where you want to go, but Every draft pick has a four-year contract, even though towards the end most of it's not really that guaranteed. But if you were to get cut, it's better to be cut as a seventh-round pick than an undrafted free agent. But the trade-off is that you get to pick where you want to go, and he picked the Vikings, and I I think that's a good fit, dude. Imagine him and Hughes, like yeah, locked down, (laughs) no fly zone. So and especially
2: too, like these undrafted free agents, it's not rare for. Them coming out of UCF and to actually making a solid NFL career, we've had plenty of them in the past. We have
1: a great history of that. Um, who who stands out to you? I, AJ Boy is the one that I think of immediately. I mean, he went from undrafted free agent to All Pro and signed like an eighty million dollar contract. Yeah, when he got traded to the Jags. I mean,
2: friend of the show, Charlie Hewlett. Hey. Long- isn't he the highest-paid long snapper in the league?
1: Uh, he, I think at some point maybe he was, but um, still def- still underpaid. Definitely the coolest long snapper in the league, <laughs> for sure. Um,
2: they had Kamar Aiken undrafted.
1: Oh, yeah. I remember him. Little receiver. He's yeah, ho- he's, a- he's hopped around a bunch of teams but actually got a lot of playing time. He has.
2: He probably had the most playing time with the Ravens. Um,
1: That's like when they had no receivers yeah. that one year, but yeah.
2: Hey, but still leger Doosable.
1: Who's actually, he's actually, he's been on NFL Network and stuff a, a bunch. He's had a good post-pro career as well as uh, eight good seasons in the league with a couple teams. And then one of the, actually, one of the best kickers of all time, Matt Prater, in my opinion, I he holds a bunch of records. He's the most accurate, like under, with like game-winning kicks or something like that, under two minutes. And I think he had like a he had the sixty three yard field goal at one point. Which was Yeah, he did have a sixty three yarder. Yeah. He's hopped around a couple teams too. Um I think he might be our best chance at a Hall of Famer. So I don't know if Brandon Marshall's quite
2: He's probably borderline, but how often do kickers like make it into the Hall of Fame?
1: Yeah, I mean Venetiri probably will. No, he he definitely will. Yeah, of course. No, it's it's not that much. Um All right. <clears throat> Let's move on. Um so the NCAA we we've talked about this a couple times before. States started passing laws that said that said college players, I think California did it, said college players could make money off their likeness, which forced the NCAA to have to make some kind of ruling on this and they can't really like overrule the law. So they said and they haven't released like the details about it, but players starting in twenty twenty one can start making money off their likeness, which means players can do endorsements. Which means like Carl Black can literally pay you know ten thousand dollars to any player they want just to like as a you know, air quotes endorsement to come to UCF as an example. So this kind of opens the floodgates for the paying for players thing, which I think honestly is already going on at all of the bigger programs, uh, just not directly. I think boosters give parents money, and there's real, really no way to, to track that kind of stuff. So people are afraid that this is going to make schools with huge boosters, like, um, say, like, Oklahoma State with T. Boone Pickens, you know, the windmill guy. Like, what's to stop them from just giving $100? The windmill guy. Isn't he the windmill is guy? He's the oil guy. He does something with the windmill, too. Like, energy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm
2: pretty sure he's an oil tycoon. Okay. Anyway, uh, he definitely the opposite does some <laughs> of a
1: windmill guy. <laughs> um, okay, anyway. What's to stop them from just giving a hundred thousand dollars to every top recruit and making them all go to Oklahoma State? But the thing is, I think most of the big schools are kind of paying players already anyway, so I think this gives us a chance because now Carl Black can actually offer sponsorships to potential student-athletes. Where do you think this is going? Like, This is a whole crazy new like bubble that's about to open.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it because I kind of think that it's a negative thing for UCF um, just because I don't think that we can keep up with you know some of the Power 5 schools that They're have... already
1: like, paying the players, though.
2: This gives us... I mean, they are. But I think they are. I, I agree 100%. with you.
1: 100%. That's why the same five schools are always in the top...
2: Yeah, but it's just going to make it even worse, I think, is what's going to happen.
1: But see, and that was my initial reaction. But then also, I think that it gives schools like us that we're by the books. It gives us a chance to maybe compete a little bit. We can actually have boosters possibly give, you know, cool sponsorships to top recruits, which I know we don't do right now. Like, we just, we're not that big enough of a program. So maybe this kind of levels the playing field. I could see it going either way, but I have so many questions about it because they... They just kind of announced that they're going to do it, but they didn't have, as you know, the NCAA rulebook is like super long and detailed. Like, can I just after the game just like hand money to players now?
2: I mean, OBJ was at the. That's what I'm saying.
1: Like, <laughs> end of the national championship, or like, why can, would you though? I don't know. Get something for it. Just because it's cool. Like, yo, here Otis, here's 50 bucks. <laughs> I don't know. Or uh, we could pay we could pay people to be on the podcast. I don't know. Like, there's all these rules and stuff now that we have to abide by. Like, you can't even talk to players, technically, if you're an alumni. You have to go through, um, like, student-athlete information or whatever. But, I don't know, Just I feel like this just opens up a whole, like, crazy can of worms, and we really have no idea where it's going to go. But while we're talking about it, I guess the first thing I pictured when all this happened was, like, Dylan Gabriel on, like, Appliance Direct commercials or something. <laughs> But seriously, um, what do you think would be like some good player and business combinations or anything like that? Like good ones or funny ones? Either I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you could put Dylan, you could put Mackenzie Millen on anything. Is a thing in Central Florida. Literally anything. Yeah, I'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't know. One that comes to mind that is kind of funny is like if Otis had like a Otis Spunkmeyer cookie <laughs> slash muffin. <laughs> promo that would be fun
1: so i was thinking for him uh since he's got like eight nicknames uh like uh tropicana orange juice like oh, yeah, him holding juice. up him holding up a carton or just like chugging or it. if
2: he dressed up in like a gumby suit and did something i
1: know he's got so many uh so many different nicknames or someone else uh someone suggested this on twitter they said like because of the Hawaii thing. Dylan Gabriel and Mackenzie Milton on, like, uh, Ron John billboards, which you always see, like, driving to Cocoa Beach. Yeah, that would be really cool. That's actually a smart one. Um, Colin Smith with, like, any like pizza. Or Lazy Moon? Or, like, any pizza. Why is that funny? Because his, oh, his pizza his head. Pizza
2: head. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> his
2: Twitter name. I forgot about that.
1: And he's talked about it, too. It's because he's, like, a pizza junkie.
2: Huh.
1: Um, Or just, like... I don't know, Parker Boudreaux, just, like,
2: smashing anything. (laughs) Smashing anything, uh, some protein powder, or, I don't know, some kind of wine company, because it kind (laughs) of seems like a Bordeaux. (laughs) It
1: kind of (laughs) reminds
2: me of, like, Bordeaux. (laughs)
1: Hey, sipping a little wine in the Eiffel Tower. I'd rather
2: him do, like, some kind of protein powder or something. I don't know. (laughs) Dude, I would buy
1: anything. As long as he smashes it, I'd buy anything. For sure. Yeah, it's just you know, honestly, it's a cool thing though for you know these guys to possibly make a couple bucks, which it's so stupid that they can't. Like, think about that. It just makes no sense that these guys are so restricted and stuff. I remember I I uh, had a bunch of uh, Rockham socks and I wanted to send some to Tristan Hill and he's like, no, I can't. He's like, I can't take it. It's NCAA violation. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I can't send Even you socks. Just your friend.
2: Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. Like, outside of football, it, I don't know.
1: It's like. Uh, like what is that? He didn't join UCF, so I could send him socks three years later. Like it's not like a bribe or something. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I guess they have to be strict about their rules. This is just gonna—it's gonna really open the floodgates. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm not really worried so much about football, but basketball. Where I mean, you only need a couple good players to be a good basketball team. Football is a huge program. Do the top schools just like start writing checks to the top recruits? I feel like it's going to affect basketball way more than football. Like you get to- well, to, well, just
2: by design, I mean, there's way less basketball players that could be on a team. Like, Duke can't have 50 of the best recruits. Yeah. Like, but what, what's to know, stop Clemson them can-
1: from writing a, a million-dollar check, even if it's through a booster or whatever, to the one, two, three high school players?
2: Well, I mean, they're only there for a year anyway, so... That's true
1: yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean
2: what does it that's a whole nother discussion with the whole you know going to done. the nba
1: yeah I, well now the g league's starting to i guess pay players more or something
2: i did hear that yeah,
1: yeah so uh one of the top recruits went straight to the g league on like a big contract or something and he's skipping college i, I don't know I, all the rules are stupid NBA's
2: yeah, nba is, is very different very weird and yeah. for them, it's like we've had a bunch of UCF players that didn't get drafted in the NBA and then go on to have, like, really successful careers overseas. I mean, basketball is a lot more of a world sport.
1: If you're a good college player, you can play pro yeah. overseas And be, somewhere. like, the MVP yeah. somewhere <laughs> else.
2: <laughs> Why is the rest of the world, like, so bad at basketball, though? I don't get it.
1: But also so infatuated with it that yeah. they, like, want to have pro leagues and like— like, like, chi- like, Chinese people
2: are crazy about the NBA. Yeah. But the really not. only good Chinese person that played basketball in the last, I don't know, two decades
1: was Yao Ming. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Jeremy Lin, Lin Sanity. But yeah, no, I agree. Okay, two people. So, basketball is, like, I guess almost as popular as soccer in terms of, like, its span, like, globally. But I, I, you're right. I, I don't know. Like... I don't get people's infatuation with yeah. watching... Although
2: watching The Last Dance, I really miss 90s basketball. Dude. Like, so bad.
1: I know. I miss 90s I just go- everything, but... Like, just
2: going back, like, uh, I can't get hyped up for, you know, James Harden versus Durant. Friggin as much, as, much as Malone and Stockton against Pippen and MJ, MJ. MJ. And Rodman. Maybe it's just... That's when we were growing up, and
1: kids today are like, oh, my God, James Harden. So in 10 years, kids will be on a podcast being like, oh, I miss the the Splash Brothers days with Curry. And probably. I mean, it's like that with sports. It's like that with music. Like, I hate the music now. But the music in 10 years, I'm probably going to hate even more and wish I had the stuff from 2020. It's like that. Remember when we went to college? Everyone was like, oh, The old pub used to be like it was always whatever was before was always cooler. Yeah, it was. It always used to be better. Everything always used to be better, and I think that's with everything in life you end up seeing. um, So just enjoy
2: it while you got it.
1: Exactly. All right. So since we're talking about the last dance, um, which I'm, this was not better timing for a documentary like this to go by. I don't know about you. So my mom grew up hour outside of Chicago. Was a Bulls fan, and I like vaguely remember the the uh, the 97 finals with the jazz and like that last shot where he like did the little crossover step back shot it and like held his arm up or whatever but like vaguely vaguely remember it but i mean my mom was a huge still is you know jordan fanatic and it's just like such a such a cool throwback and blast from the past and we're learning all these awesome stories about the players and stuff on the team um like phil jackson like going to india to do acid or whatever did you catch that on the last one no. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, he like, I don't know. He went on like some acid trip to like learn how to coach or something. He talked about it in oh, the last thing. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. He was like. I remember now. The original Bill Walton. um, Dennis Rodman, like taking a trip to Vegas, Vegas. mid-season. <laughs> yeah. It's just crazy. Um, And
2: it's also. Carmen Electra not aging in like 30 years
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> what she got hell? like hotter, man. <laughs>
2: she's got to be fifty. I think she's at least something close now. to that. Uh, yeah.
1: Oh man, every nineties kid's dream, Carmen Electra. <laughs> um, what else? I, just like these crazy stories. Um, did you catch after? So after they finally beat the Pistons in the Eastern Conference Finals, who was like their nemesis? Did you catch MJ going on the plane? He had a he had a shirt that said three-peat. But this is before their first finals. Under his suit jacket, and I couldn't figure out what it was. It was a white shirt, and it, it said three peat, but like you could only really see the peat, but I, you could see what it said, kinda. But I'm like, wait, what? Did, was he like calling a shot? So I googled it. He had a Detroit Pistons Eastern Conference three peat champions. Oh, like, dude, like, the <laughs> ultimate troll. Yeah. <laughs> so he like, you know, like the, the shirts they throw away. He's he like got one and wore that under his jacket. Wow. I mean, that, you know, for back then, like, that was just epic. And, like, he had it under the suit, so you couldn't really see it. You just saw, like, eat. You're like, all right, there's something there. Hmm. Um, Interesting. It's just crazy to look back. And, you know, everyone does the the MJ LeBron comparison and stuff. And it's really, it's two different games, like you said. But the fact that he, you know, six finals went to, six finals won, is pretty insane. And I mean, he had a great supporting cast and everything. But I mean, when you watch it, you know, Marcus tweeted out, he was saying, you guys are going to watch this and like, kind of not, maybe not like MJ as a person, but that's what made him so good is because he was an asshole, but not in a bad way. He just knew he was better and wanted no, so to do far, everything he could. So
2: far, I disagree. I like Michael better than for no, when I first started I after
1: watching it. I, I do too, but you know, I guess when you kind of... Peel back the cover and see someone. I don't know. I mean, did you see the one time at, um, (laughs) it was, uh, they were at practice and the dude was asking him like some no name guy on the bulls was asking him to play one-on-one and he's like, dude, I already beat you MJ. And he's like, he's, he kept asking him and MJ's like, why do you keep doing this? He's like, you want to go home and tell your family that like, you know, like 10 years from now you want to brag that like, Hey, I beat MJ one-on-one and he's like, what happens if I beat you? He's like, no one's going to brag about beating Clyde Duggins one-on-one or whatever. <laughs> 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 I, I, I think that was close to his name, but uh, that's just kind of who he was. Anyway, so that's why we wanted to replay this interview. Um, we think you guys are going to like it, and uh, it, it was one of our best ones. So let's do it. What's going on? I'm here with Marcus Jordan, a former UCF basketball player, but also the founder and owner of the Trophy Room store. Uh, What's going on, Marcus?
0: Everything's good, man. I can't complain. How about you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for coming on the show. Let's start off and talk a little bit about your store. Can you tell us about it?
0: Yeah, sure. And so Trophy Room is, you know, inspired by three things. Um, Essentially, you know, we had a trophy room in our house growing up and it was centrally located in the house. And so anytime anybody came, you know, over all of our friends or family friends, um, you know, we would always make it a, a point to kind of stop in the trophy room and hang out. And just over the years, it became the place that everybody really wanted to be. So um, the first kind of storyline is my dad would, you know, include our trophies in there with his. And so it kind of inspired us as kids to kind of want to earn our own accolades and do our own thing. Um, and every year for Christmas, we would put our Christmas tree in the trophy room. And so, you know, it really just to, to summarize, it really was just the place to be when anytime anybody came over to the house. And so we're really looking to kind of recreate that environment and that feeling of, you uh, you know, family atmosphere and warmth within the, you know, within the decor of the store. We've got family photos throughout the store and, uh, you know, all of our customer interactions with all our our associates, you know, we're looking to kind of create an experience for the guests and not, you know, necessarily your typical retail experience, you know, something more intimate and uh, and, and that always kind of ties back to the Jordan legacy.
1: How big was the trophy room at uh, your dad's house? It must have had to get bigger over the years with all the hardware I picked up.
0: You know, honestly, I, we, uh, we moved to that house, I want to say, in early 90s. And so, you know, the room was always the same size. It did kind of get filled up with trophies. And so there was some rearranging that had to be done. But uh, the room was, uh, I would say it was roughly, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 square feet. And uh, it, it had multiple entry points. It was kind of, it was very open, you know. And so you can kind of walk through it or walk around it. And it was always, you know, it was kind of glasswork so you could see through the trophy room on the outside, and so I'll be sure to make sure we get a we get a photo over to you so you can kind of check it out.
1: Yeah, definitely, I'll put that out there for everyone. All right, so tell us more about the store then. Uh, what do you, what do you guys sell, and, and what, what's your kind of concept?
0: Sure. Well, we lead through the Jordan brand lens, and so any any Jordan shoe that you're going to see that comes out on Saturday, we'll typically have that. Um, you know, other than Jordan brand, we, we obviously carry Nike. Uh, we've partnered with Mitchell and Ness, um, upper deck, who's actually the exclusive, uh, memorabilia maker for my dad's image. So we've got very different pieces, uh, memorabilia pieces in store. That's all signed by my dad that we actually retail. And then other than that, you know, we've, we've brought in a streetwear brand named Bape, a bathing ape, and they're very big in Japan. And, uh, that's done very well in our store. And as we move into 2019, we're really looking to kind of, bring in more streetwear vendors such as, you know, Fear of God and, um, you know, Off-White, Heron Preston, things like that. And, and looking to elevate the store from, you know, your exclusive sneaker store to your, uh, luxury streetwear boutique that has an exclusive sneaker offering. So that's, that's my goal for 2019.
1: That's awesome. That's definitely a really, uh, unique concept that you won't find anywhere else. Uh, where, where can we find you guys at?
0: Sure. We are actually located in Disney Springs, which is in Walt Disney World here in Orlando. Um, and our hours are 10 to 11 Monday through or Sunday through Thursday and Friday and Saturday. We're actually open till 1130.
1: All right. So let's get to some uh, different questions here. Obviously, I'm sure. sure people ask you about your dad a lot, um, so we won't get into that too much. But what's, the favorite, what's your favorite memory of a game uh, that he played in that you actually got to see in person?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, I was, you know, I was born in 1990. I kind of like to joke around and say that I was the uh, the good luck charm that sparked the run in the 90s because uh, <laughs> I was born Christmas Eve. And then they obviously went on to win their championship <laughs> in June 91. Um, but I think more so than any game, I, I think because I was eight years old, the last shot and watching that in our theater with our family, you know, it was a road game. So we would always get together and, and kind of watch as a family downstairs. But more so than that, you know, my dad, before every home game, he would eat his pregame meal at home with us and so we would typically get around from get home from school around you know three o'clock and he'd be eating around uh 3 30 4 4 30 just you know because we lived down in the suburbs so he had a an hour drive to drive into the uh to the city for the arena but i think that's the the memory that i cherish the most is kind of just sitting with my dad and, and having those pre-game meals with him you know and waiting to get out of school so we could you know have, share that moment as a family
1: that's awesome that's really cool tell me a little bit about being in the movie space jam what was that like
0: so actually, we weren't in Space Jam. Uh, my brother, my sister, and I. Yeah, exactly. My mom wasn't in it either. She uh she had some reservations about us being in it as children, and and she always wanted to kind of maintain our anonymity, and, and so we would kind of have you know regular upbringing. So we were actually we were we weren't in the movie, but we were on set every day. And one of the things I do remember is uh you know meeting Bugs Bunny for the first time and <laughs> and realizing that it wasn't actually a bunny it's a person in like a green jumpsuit and so that was kind of devastating to me but it was still kind of cool to you know to just be on set and kind of hanging with everybody
1: Right how old were you at that time you must have been little right
0: yeah, I, wanna, I can't remember when it came out, but I would say I was probably anywhere from four to six years old.
1: Yeah, I think it was like 95, maybe. I can't remember. I was, I'm the same it's, age, so it's, it's been a yeah, while. Yeah, it
0: was, it was around the time base, uh, my dad kind of went to play baseball, so I'd definitely say it was around 95. Or so.
1: All right, so let's fast forward a little bit. Um, you obviously grew up in the Chicago area. What made sure. you decide to come down to UCF? It seemed kind of random.
0: Yeah, and so actually UCF had been a school that had been recruiting me early in my basketball career, and and like you said, being in Chicago, I didn't really know much about UCF, so I had kind of put it off off of my radar. But uh, my my best friend and my point guard actually at the time, AJ Romston, he ended up coming up. He ended up coming down to UCF the year before I did, and so he kind of was you know just consistently in my ear and and telling me about UCF and how cool the the campus was, how new the facilities are. I could come in and make an impact right away. And so in my senior year of high school, at we actually went on to win our state championship. And, you know, at the end of that, I I kind of put off recruiting, just kind of focusing on that because we had fell short the year before. And so when we actually won, um, you know, I I had a conversation with AJ and AJ was like, come on, just come check it out. And it just happened to work that, you know, I was coming around this area anyway. So I took my first official visit at UCF and after doing so, I just, I loved it so much. I for went any other visits, and, and I actually ended up committing, I think, the following week just because I, you know, I, I fell in love with everything that UCF, you know, offered me.
1: Yeah, the place kind of sells itself, definitely, but that's cool. I mean, you had some offers from some other big schools. I remember uh, Miami, I think, and what else?
0: Yeah, and Stanford, actually, and, you know, actually a school that I always wanted to go to as a kid growing up was Michigan. And so there was, you know, a conversation about around possibly walking on there, earning a scholarship there. But, you know, ultimately, uh, UCF was the one that won out for me.
1: Well, that's awesome. It definitely worked out good for you. So tell me about playing at UCF. What was maybe one of your favorite memories on the court? Uh,
0: My favorite memories on the court um, would definitely be, I think, the game against UF at Amway. That was uh that was definitely a huge game for me. I, I had a, a great game. We ended up winning, and I remember even feeling slighted as a team because we were essentially playing in our backyard, and all of our family uh, tickets were, you know, like in the second row or in the nosebleeds, essentially, and, and UF, all their family seats were kind of the lower bowl. And so we we all felt, you know, somewhat disrespected by that, you know, being that Amway's in our backyard and Gainesville's like two hours away. So uh, I think that was a little extra incentive for us to go out and kind of uh, just performed to the best that we could and you know obviously that year as a whole was a was a fantastic year for us
1: yeah that was awesome I still remember that game I think you had what like 18 points uh led the team
0: yeah something like that yeah. I, I, I can't remember the stats but yeah it was, a, <laughs> it was a great game
1: that was definitely cool and we were I think we were undefeated coming into there right so it was like a big deal playing up against the game yeah we
0: had a we I, I remember non-conference I'm pretty sure we went all all the way through, through non-conference undefeated or maybe maybe one or two games um and other than that, I would think my first, you know, my favorite moment would be playing in that first Atlantis uh, tournament down in in the Bahamas, um, and kind of beating UConn that year, but ultimately falling short to I believe it was Harvard, um, and so that was that was frustrating for me, but it was a great experience to kind of uh, be a part of that the first initial tournament um, at at Atlantis.
1: Yeah, that was definitely a special season. I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, sure. Obviously, you know, you were a great basketball player for us, but I mean. Your biggest legacy still kind of remains at the school, the whole Adidas shoe controversy. For some of the younger guys out there, Marcus is kind of pretty much the reason that we are a Nike school now and not a, uh, let's say, an A-word school. Uh, Can you you maybe explain how it went down to everyone? Because there's a lot of different stories and stuff out there on the internet.
0: Sure. Uh, Well, I think one of the things for me in being recruited and ultimately making the decision to come to UCF was... Being allowed to wear Jordan shoes, you know, it was a big deciding factor for me. Of course. And in talking to, you know, um, the athletic directors and the head coaches at the time, um, there was a a small communication. I mean, a conversation that the school had with their local Adidas reps. And the consensus was that there was no issue with me wearing with with me wearing Jordan shoes. Um, You know, they all understood it. And that in turn kind of influenced my decision to come to UCF. Now, fast forward to, you know, the beginning of the season, and I think, you know, words got started, um, you know, being known to the higher-ups in Germany at Adidas, and I guess they weren't as happy with it, and so they started, you know, having conversations, and I wasn't too privy to those because I was playing at the time, but one of the things that the school always remained to me was that, look, we're not going to go back on our word to you, you know, um, originally there was no issue, now it seems to be an issue, but we told you you could wear the shoes, so... You're allowed to wear the shoes, and so that's kind of where it stood for me. And I actually ended up going above and beyond. I, um, you know, I kind of whited out the logos on my shoe, the Jordan logos on my shoes, and I remember filling in some black shoes with marker just to kind of, you know, dilute right. the Jumpman logo. So if anybody takes a picture of my shoes, you know, you Don't can see it. that. And exactly. And I was good friends with Derrick Rose at the time, and he had just started these Adidas ankle braces, and so I reached out to D and was just like, Hey, can I get these ankle braces? And so that was even an extra step to say, Hey, look, even if I'm wearing Jordans, if anybody takes a picture of my shoes, you'll see this Adidas ankle brace. Right. Um, but lo and behold, our first exhibition game, um, you know, we literally walk onto the court, uh, for the jump for the tip off. And I think it was the first dead ball or the first TV timeout. I got word from our coaches that Adidas had actually pulled the contract. So, you know, it was, it was something that we saw coming, but when it actually happened, it was a little bit of a shock. And, and, I remember the joke that year was, you know, we couldn't receive products because they had pulled the contract and not just basketball, football as well. And, and all of the you know, volleyball teams and, and all sports across the board. And so anytime I would run into this, you know, student athletes, there would be, you know, jokes made about, hey, man, I can't get any product, blah, 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 blah. And so everybody was kind of <laughs> ragging on me that first year. But I, I think, you know, when Nike ultimately ended up stepping in, you know, everybody was really happy with that.
1: Yeah, I mean it worked out good. I, I liked the way all the jerseys and stuff ended up turning out. So it's kind of a good story for everyone. Uh, one last question here. <laughs> I gotta ask it. Sure. Who's the goat? MJ or LeBron?
0: No MJ, come on. That's not even a question. I uh, know. That's man. not even a question. Uh, I don't understand. know if you,
1: uh,
0: I don't know if you saw Kyle, Kyle Lowry yesterday in his, uh, in his interview, but uh, if you didn't, go check that out.
1: No, just uh, you know, it's funny for some of the younger people out there, man. Just look up like MJ top fifty highlights or something like that, and then come back sure. to the conversation. I, I don't think people understand, but uh, that's a whole another discussion. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a different game today.
0: It's a different game today. So I don't think you can take you know the greats from each era and kind of compare them because the game has kind of evolved so, so, so greatly. So
1: yeah, it really is. Um, anyway, thanks a lot, man, for coming on the show. Um, sure. where can we follow you guys on, uh, like Twitter, Instagram, whatever trophy room.
0: Yeah. Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at, at trophy room store. Uh, my personal Twitter, I'm also active on that. That's actually air H E I R air MJ. So you can follow me there and follow the store.
1: All right. Sounds good. Uh, thanks a lot, man. And obviously if you're in the Orlando area, check them out over at Disney Springs. For sure. Appreciate right. it. Thanks, man. See you guys. All right. So that was our interview with Marcus. Um, like I said before, that's the first time he actually spoke on air about how the whole Nike Adidas thing unraveled, which is really cool. And it was honestly just hearing, hearing him talk about like the trophy room and his dad's house and stuff. I mean, that's just, that's cool stuff. Yeah. It, I mean, going back now, what, what do you think? Like, would
2: without Marcus, would we still be stuck with Adidas? Would we have ever gotten Scott Frost? Because you know the whole Nike Oregon, Oregon connection.
1: Huh, dude. I, wow. Could this
2: entire last ten years be because of Marcus? Because of Marcus Jordan, maybe.
1: Uh man. Definitely, definitely my didn't My mind hurt. is like going and crazy. So I don't know when our Adidas deal was up, but. Their crap sucked anyway. That needed to happen.
2: Go back and watch the 2007 Texas game, and you'll (laughs) see how bad, like, just our, all of our equipment is terrible. We should
1: do, I really want to do, like, a gold throwback, because now that we don't wear it all the time, it'll be kind of cool. But I agree. Dude, it was, it just hurt my eyes to rewatch that game. And you, they, they panned to the crowd, and everyone's wearing, like, gold. It's so weird, because we're black now. Yeah. Um, No, I I agree. Who knows? I I think we talk about this every podcast, like the domino effect of every little thing that had to have happened, you know, from us going 0-12 to getting Frost and all that. There's a million things that could have been different, and we probably wouldn't be where we are today. But that's what makes us so much fun, you know? All right, so let's move on. We're going to do our Fab Five Most Entertaining UCF Games to Rewatch to pass the time.
2: Yeah, all of these games can be found on YouTube, so a lot of the times I just put it on on, in the background. I love it. I'm just eating dinner, you know, doing whatever.
1: (laughs) There's always little things that you watch, and you're like, holy crap, I forgot about that little player, that little penalty or something like that. Even just watching, like, I just rewatched the Black Friday USF game, and there was a couple plays in the beginning that I I completely forgot happened. And, uh, yeah, it's fun. Eh, Whatever. Nothing else to do. (laughs) All right, our Fab Five most entertaining games to watch to pass the time during this weird lockdown thing. Self-quarantine. (laughs) Self-quarantine. Wash your hands. All right, go,
2: Moo. All right, number one. We're going to go with the 2018 game against Cincinnati. This was the game where College Game Day made its first ever appearance in Orlando. We had the whole gang, Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreit, what was it? Is it Chris Fowler? No, it's Reese
1: Davis. <laughs> They're literally interchangeable. I couldn't <laughs> pick them apart in a lineup.
2: Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreit, Desmond Howard, Lee Corso, the whole gang, even the bear was there. Oh, Maury, um, Maury was there too.
1: <laughs> Dude, how funny was that? It was so dumb it was hilarious. I Am like
2: laughed out loud after I was after a collective what. <laughs> When they announced who it was,
1: yeah, I, don't, I think I was sleeping at that point because I was so tired from being up all night. Dude, you were on. Let me just go back to this whole thing.
2: <laughs> so, game day announced that they were coming right the week before. I was in Orlando, so we had to have had a home game the week before because my wife always like takes me some. You know, Sunday is her day. After Saturday is my day for mm-hmm. football, so we either go to like brunch. Winter Park or, you know, she's got to go to the mall or something. So I'm walking around like millennia refreshing Twitter as fast as I can because <laughs> the rumors were already going around. It you know? was
1: like a two, three week process. It was like, oh, we have a little chance oh, we have a kind of chance. And then we were like in the top three officially from ESPN, but no one knew. Right. So like
2: I'm refreshing Twitter and then I can't remember who posted it, but I just saw Herb Street's face and I was like, Oh my god we got it dude we got
1: it he sent like a selfie announcement video all right guys we're going to orlando for college game day or something like that it was unbelievable unreal
2: so anyway i knew that i wasn't i'm not crazy enough you know sean you know is crazy enough but i wasn't crazy enough to like stay out there all night you know i'm, I'm like whatever i'll just get there like super early in the morning on saturday i'll still get my sign on maybe
1: i won't be in the front row or whatever but uh I don't know, you took a different approach. I got there at like 9 p.m. the night before, and when they opened the gates at 6 or 7 a.m., I still couldn't even get in the front row. There's already like 50 people back in line. We had a spot on Memory Mall, and um, after the whole show was over,
2: so we're on our way to the tailgate spot, and my friend Vince is like, yo, is that Sean? We're on the sidewalk at Memory Mall, and I'm looking off in the distance, and there's this guy. Like, ripped jeans on, for whatever reason. It was really cold in the morning. Oh, that was another thing. It was
1: freezing. Yeah. It sucked. But
2: then when the sun came out, it got, like, balls hot. Yeah. I had the Letterman jacket on. (laughs) I remember. You also had your classic UCF baseball jersey on. (laughs) And the Letterman jacket. And I'm like, yeah, that is Sean. What the hell? So, like, we go up and get... You were, like, in the third dimension (laughs) or something. I I don't know what was going on with you. You were, like, the perfect amount of tired drunk just yeah. like you're drunk and hungover at the same time you like weren't even making sense and like, tired you're yeah. talking about then you try to like walk into oh that stupid door the building that's like next to classroom yeah one. it was like a secret bathroom
1: spot i always use it but it was locked. tried
2: to go in there it's locked then you walk away then you go back to the same door you tried to open <laughs> two seconds later. Try it again. Yep, still locked. <laughs> and uh, 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 good I don't know.
1: I took a nap in, in Booza's tailgate chair for like four <laughs> or five hours. I woke up and I was fine. You were fine. You were fine after you woke up. Yeah, it was completely fine. I will say that. It look, but it, it was a, a lot of
2: hours in between. <laughs> well, anyway, so, back to the game.
1: The actual game, oh, yeah, I got to admit, What are was... we even talking about? Just game day in general. Wait, this is your number one most entertaining game. You lose. This is the least entertaining game. The most entertaining part about this game was a false start. Well, penalty. we're just
2: we're just going off. We're just going down the list. They're they're not in order. Well, mine are in order. But we're anyway, the, these are all on. These are all on YouTube. That's the whole Fab Five is crap that you can do to pass a time when you're in quarantine. Okay, well so you can watch. You could watch game day because
1: I think you were on right. Because oh. my sign was on. I know that. I had a big Tristan Hill cutout head. <laughs> no, I was stuck behind someone with like the most obnoxious, biggest sign. I was offering people $100 for your spot in front of me and they wouldn't take it. Then, like, an hour later, I just walked out. I was like, this Ugh. is stupid. Because when you're up in the front, like, everyone's like pushing against you. Right. It sucked. It was miserable. And imagine this being on no sleep and yeah, just yeah. put it all together. Anyway. Right. Right. So, back to the game.
2: game was amazing first quarter and a half yeah so what a lot of people forgot in that game was you know we had the two false start penalties the crowd assist as you'd like to call it um dude
1: that had him go three and out like the first one was great and then the second one was like there's no way but anyway so after that we got the ball
2: and then yeah we forced some three and out punt and then Milton either got stripped or sacked or fumbled or something. But, well, anyway, it was all UCF from there. And we just spent 15 minutes on the first game that we're
1: talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So after that, we scored, what, 35 straight, I think, or something. Yeah, 35 straight. Oh, yeah, 35-6. Yeah, and uh, they kind of got revenge on us this year. But I don't want to talk about that. I'm not ready for it yet. All right. (laughs) So game two. I don't really know your strategy for this, but for me, I want to pick the five most entertaining games to rewatch, and I got to go with Black Friday, 2017. It's the most entertaining game I think any of us will ever watch. Were the stakes higher in maybe the conference championship or the Peach Bowl? For one, yes, but two, we don't get to either of those games without the USF win. But not only that, I mean, and I think this is almost like undisputed by anyone, not just, you know, fans, is that those last like five minutes of that USF game with the you know, the screen pass to Otis, touchdown, USF's second play from scrimmage after that, the bomb to the wide open uh Valdez Scantling, I think. And then just as oh and then the two point conversion play which was crazy where he yeah. just runs way one side and the guys wide open the end zone and then to top it all off like we're still catching our breath from all this crazy shit that game never felt like we were going to lose it and then all of a sudden it was tied but then before you can even process this it's tied at 42 USF to kick off Mike Hughes from the 10 15 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. He's got a reservation for six in the Cabanas. He's gone. Touchdown. Boom. I Yeah, I know that by heart. I say it in my head to wash my hands every time now for the 20 seconds, and it actually <laughs> works. Uh, so, yeah, that's my first pick is uh, the most entertaining game we can watch to pass the time. What's your second
2: pick? No, I li- I really like your recollection of the call from Mark Daniels. For me, it was a little different just because I love Mark Daniels, but Adam Amin is one of my favorite uh, commentators on ESPN. He's and
1: great. He's really funny to follow on Twitter, too.
2: He is. A lot, a lot of times he'll be on a flight and just send out a tweet and go, hey, I'll answer any and all questions that you
1: send out. I'll never forget his call from the Otis screen pass because he called it so perfectly. A screen against the Blitz. The perfect play. Otis
2: Anderson. They sealed a the nail for the Knights. Wow. Very, very well done by you. I just got. Oh, I got through. the Mike. I got the Mike Hughes one. You ready? All right, here. Mike, Mike Hughes. Hughes. He
1: didn't say anything. He said, Mike Hughes.
2: Hughes. With a head of steam. The kicker to beat. Do you, you believe, believe it? it? Knights take the lead on a Mike Hughes touchdown.
1: Wow, you—you you would think I went to school for this or something. Yo, let's get him as a guest on the podcast. <laughs> we should. I, mean, I don't the, know why we haven't.
2: Yo, so the other day, like I was saying earlier, he was on—he was on a flight, and he was like, "Uh, oh, any qu- any questions?" And I—I I tweeted him. I was like, "Yo, I just wanted to say." Thank you for calling one of the greatest college football games of all time. 2017 UCF versus USF. And he actually replied to me and he said, top five greatest games I've ever called. Yeah. And to me, that just oh, it made my day. That game was insane. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Let's watch it right now. (laughs) Even though I've seen it like a thousand times. You know what we should do? We should say, hey, like noon tomorrow. Let's all watch this game and we'll all live tweet it together. I've seen people doing that. Mark Daniels did, uh, I think, the Peach Bowl or something. And I saw Bill Self, the Kansas coach, did his national championship like 10 years ago. But if we could get everyone to do it, it would be fun to like see everyone's reactions to the same shit. As long as we hit play at the same time. And don't have to pee. Right. <laughs> that could be hard. It might be hard. <laughs> well, either way. You know what? I might just do it. Yeah. I'll just be like, look, tomorrow I'm watching... 2017 Black Friday game starting at 2. Tune in if you want or just follow along with my tweets, whatever. We'll see what happens. So, I've got another one. All right, so this is your second pick. My second pick
2: is probably going to be the 2018 game against Memphis. The one at Memphis. Oh um, man. I'm This was a grueling game. I kn- I know you were there. I couldn't be there. I'm like cold thinking about it. Yeah. Um, it was rainy, cold, sucked, cloudy. We didn't do shit, we didn't yeah. do anything. Well, I mean, there was a lot of exciting moments in that game. So, uh, I mean, at first we didn't do anything. Right. What was it like, seventeen and nothing or something? The line couldn't hold. Milton was getting sacked a lot. You know, it's the infamous "Let's Go Bone" uh, <laughs> play by Heiple, fourth and one, maybe a two, fourth and two. Uh from our own deep in our own end or in, in our own thirty yard line, I think. Within our thirty yard line. And it was uh, a twenty-nine because it was a seventy one yard touchdown, I remember. They put Tristan Hill in
1: at fullback <laughs> and run Taj McGowan, who got demoted from the starter this season. People forget. Yeah. He was like our lead back before this.
2: And a seventy one yard touchdown. Criminally leader. underused, yes, by, by the way.
1: Yes. <laughs>
2: seventy one yard touchdown and um there was a lot of, you know, that I didn't remember before, you know, last weekend when I watched it again. Memphis really blew that game, man. I'm not going to say it wasn't all heroics by us well, and Milton, but it, a lot it was a lot of heroics by Milton. But, golly, if I was a Memphis fan and
1: watching this game, how bad? Do blew they, it. How bad do they hate us? Well, it sucks because, like, we've beat them four times. Two of them being conference championships, one being that game, the other one was a blowout, and the uh, the first Hurricane makeup game. But when I think about playing Memphis, it's like ooh, it's like a little jab. I'm like, oh crap, this is gonna suck. But we've never lost to them in my lifetime. Actually, we lost the last time we lost to Memphis was 1990. All of my Me- Memphis memories are beating them. Yet still, it hurts. It's painful to see them on the schedule. How do you think it feels for a Memphis fan? (laughs) I never really thought about that. I think our toughest game besides North Carolina to start the year off is going to be Friday night at Memphis. Really, that's the only game that I think is going to be tough to win, really. I think we're going to beat UNC. Obviously, you know how big our home field advantage is, which is really why I'm glad that we're playing UNC at home this time. That game's going to be tough on the road at Memphis. I mean this year they proved that they were worthy. I mean
2: they won the conference championship. Um they I mean they, they didn't went, beat
1: us. They did not beat us. <laughs> You're right. I had, to, I had to think about that. I had to think know? about it too. <laughs> no, they didn't not only did they not beat us, they didn't have to go through us. Right. Though, that, and we that's weren't full that's strength.
2: A, that's a better way to observe it. Yeah. Um they didn't have to go through us, which is the only reason why that they won the conference championship. So they played Penn State in the Cotton Bowl. Cotton Bowl. And, um, you know, I, I remember watching this game. They went toe-to-toe with them for a while. They they at least put up a valiant effort, I would say.
1: Yeah, but they also, um, I mean, they lost their coach. Like, they literally went through the exact same scenario that we went through in 2017, losing Frost to a bigger program, except Frost came back and coached us to beat Auburn. What does that say about Frost now? It's awesome, and I'm so thankful for that because we wouldn't have been able to without him. But also, it's... Do you think the Peach Bowl would have been played differently if Troy Walters was the head coach? Yeah. You know, you can hate Frost for leaving or the way he did or the way he handled it, which most of us wouldn't have done anything better or differently. I think he handled it pretty freaking well for how awkward of a situation it was. And, again, he didn't leave us for the Gators or some other school. He left us for his alma mater that he won a national championship for at quarterback. But you put everything aside, and I think these guys, I mean, you know, you're playing for yourself and everything, but at the same time, I think everyone laid it out on the line for, like, one last hurrah for Frost. You know? And I'm not saying another coach like Walters wouldn't have got the same motivation out of him, but at the same time, it was like, Look, let's, like, one last ride for Frost and whatever. I mean, you can be mad at him for leaving, but you can be happy for him for coming when we were 0-12 and and resurrecting us from the frigging grave. Do you think he regrets leaving? No, not at all.
2: I mean, even even after, like, what Nebraska has turned into, like, the
1: way that he turned UCF around so quickly, but... Because he's got, dude, we're in Florida. We have the most football talent out of any state. It's very easy to recruit to UCF. It's not easy to be like, hey, want to come up to Nebraska? UCF, not being on the map as a football program, if you're a good recruiter, not that hard to recruit. You sell yourself. It's Florida. It's not that big of a deal. It's tough to get South Florida people to come up to friggin' Nebraska. I mean, think about it. It's like a whole other world. It is for me I mean, that's and I've true been but on they North. they were so
2: good for so long. You know, 70s, 80s, 90s, what have you. They were then, always good and then they just fell it's off. It's not when, like Nebraska was a cool spot to be at that time and yeah. now it's not. It's still pretty much the that, same as it was it always It's has been, crazy right?
1: because so they've they've been sold out of their games for 30 years straight. Their football games, even the spring game. Even through all the like last, what, decade or so of sucking? I mean, one, there's no other sports teams in Nebraska. There's not a Nebraska state. There's not a Nebraska hockey team, an NFL team, a basketball team. It's literally just Nebraska. And that's why their fans are kind of so crazy on social media. There's still one lady that always hops in my mentions randomly. And I'm like, I like Frost. I'm I'm glad he got the job at Nebraska. Like, I don't hate you. And she'll just, like, reply with mean shit. Cause they're crazy like that, but that's all they have there. And I mean, I think that's kind of attractive if you're a recruit and you can be like, Hey, there's look at us. Do we lose one game and our stadiums half empty? It's yeah, sad. I mean, yeah. If you've got a fan base, that's dedicated to you and there's something to be said about that. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think social media made it less popular to go to a school. That's not in a cool place because and this is going to sound really stupid. You can't, Take cool pictures and stuff in the cornfields. Bre- yeah, no, I'm, and I like. Sounds- I know it sounds
2: stupid, but in today's day and age, with like kids, you know, that are eighteen, dude, look at know, 17 Every
1: 18. recruits friggin' they're divas on social media with their no interviews and their friggin' notes posts. Oh, here's my top eight. Here's my top five. Here's my top three. And we're all kind of at their mercy because we want them to come to our school. No one's gonna be like, "Hey, you're a friggin' idiot." a lot of it is about the show. And I think that makes places like Nebraska or Kansas or whatever even less attractive than a school like UCF which's super flashy and in Florida and good weather and stuff. But all right, where are we? <laughs> we so we spent another 15
2: minutes on the second, on the third game. Am I up? I think you're up. All right. Where we finished off was 2018 Memphis. Most entertaining game. It was a
1: it was a very entertaining game. All right, next me, one. All right, um, so I don't have a list like you made a list, which is good. You should be prepared. You should have notes. I don't have a list. I'm just going going on a whim here. Entertaining games to watch. 2017 Memphis. Yeah, that game we should have lost. They if they could kick a field goal multiple times, we could have lost. We should have lost that game a bunch. That was uh wow. Another great call by Steve Levy, the friend good. of the show. I remember because I already had my flight booked to Atlanta, even though it was Southwest, but it was like what, <laughs> free cancellation. <laughs> free cancellation, but I already had my flight booked. And I actually remember sitting there hanging on the fence, like my hands were hanging on the fence. And I'm like, I looked at my ex girlfriend at the time, and I'm like, we're going to lose this. Like, right as we were setting up for the field goal. And then Shaquem blocked it. But we called a timeout before. (laughs) And I was like, no, this is like the best storyline ruined by a freaking timeout. But then he missed it. And we came back. We tied it. Took him to overtime. The rest is history.
2: Speaking of, can I please just go back to my game? The 2018 Memphis. Let's let's talk forever. Keep going back. The 2018 Memphis game. Oh, yeah. Cold, rainy. So, like, before halftime, this is another thing that I completely forgot about, is before halftime, we were trying to kick a field goal, right? To, like, only be down, I want to say, 10 or 14, whatever. doesn't matter. Matty Wright kicks a field goal, right? The time has expired. Doinks off of the post and out, right? It's no good. They call it back. Memphis called a timeout.
1: Oh, they iced us. They iced us, but he had. Ki- I mean, he can't had kicked- ice Matty Ice. <laughs> he he, he kicked kicked re-iced goal. them. He missed it on purpose, bro. He iced the icer. Yeah, he <laughs> Matty Ice iced the coach. <laughs> he iced Norvell. <laughs> and then what so- happened?
2: He drilled it right down the middle on the <laughs> Let's go! <one. laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, like,
1: there's see, so many different things about these old games. that like, oh, I, I saw that game. I, I remember no, it. dude, you know what's crazy is I remember this, and I had no idea what was going on at the time. Let's see. Like, I thought... This it, is
2: why you need to go on YouTube or DVR or whatever
1: to rewatch the game. To games. these I games. remember it. Just like, oh, he kicked it. It boinked off. I'm like, all right, like, where can I go get beer... And then all of a sudden, they're lining up, and all of us are like, what's going on? Right? Because, so, the final score was 31-30. Kind of a big deal. Kind
2: of a big deal (laughs) right there. (laughs) That's crazy. Um, And, you know, that could have, you know, obviously derailed the whole season. I mean, we we never made it to the the Fiesta Bowl.
1: Okay, so it's... No, it's your second pick. Your third pick. Is it? Well, I picked uh, 07 UCF, and I picked 07 Conference Championship game. So, you're up.
2: 7 UCF you Kairziel had uh... drops back <laughs>
3: <laughs> 17 all right, all right
2: so... let, let's just talk about it. 2007 what? I forgot about that that's got to be on so I haven't picked this as one on my list but I know there's definitely some highlights of this game and this had to have been before like H on YouTube uh but the opening game for UCF against Texas Texas had some amazing college not Amazing NFL, but well, well, Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles?
1: Uh, Jamal Charles was the running back. Colt McCoy. So this has to be your pick. You can't spend this much. This is your pick. All right, this is my pick. And I'm mad because I wanted to take this. Oh.
2: Well, take it, brother. Well, talk about it. We're both talking about it.
1: But It's your pick. <laughs> we have to finish the show. The show is never going to end. This is your pick. Go. All right, so there was a lot of college talent
2: you had uh Colt McCoy quarterback Jamal Charles as running back there was even a wide receiver
1: there's someone that was and there was a like a safety or something that was really good too yeah
2: so we basically had Kevin Smith 24k
1: Kyler is real and and we had a pretty good defense I mean here's the thing though like this is number six Texas versus UCF unranked unranked in these gold uniforms and ranked in I don't think we'd ever beaten a ranked team, and we probably were never ranked. I don't think. I mean, UCF was known as Central Florida, and the most people know about us was that was the school that Brandon Marshall and Dante Culpeper went to, but no one really even knew about us. It was our first game in the stadium. Our first game, me and you, as freshmen, we didn't even really appreciate the significance. Imagine the people that were at UCF for three, four years, and then... They get to go to a game in an on-campus stadium. Like it was just normal for us. We never appreciated it, and I don't think we ever fully will. We only lost by like a touchdown, I think. We scored at the end to make the score closer than the game was. We we're down three. We we're down
2: three in the fourth quarter. It was like thirty-five, thirty-two. And
1: Israel got yeah. stripped, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the ball somehow bounced. It should have went out of bounds. It literally, the ball was going straight out of bounds. It just made like a U turn, stayed inbounds, and the Texas guy got it back. I'm looking at it right now. The Knights
2: led 24-23 after an early fourth quarter touchdown run by our boy Kyle Israel.
1: Dude, how crazy were we going at this time? We're beating number six Texas. Okay. Do you remember? I don't really remember the game. And not because we were drunk or anything like that. I just don't remember it. It was that long yeah. ago. I remember, like... Oh,
2: man, it was freaking 13 years I ago. I
1: remember, <laughs> like, so the gates opened, and, like, no one knew anything. And we, like, ran to get good seats, But they didn't restrict the walkway in front of the seats where the student section is normally. So everyone that had good seats was like, oh, great. But the whole walkway was just filled with people. It was like a mosh pit. Uh, That's the only thing I really remember about the game. I mean, I kind of remember how it went. But like, if I look back at, you know, the Black Friday game 2017, I know exactly where I was. Critical moments of the game. I can't do that with the Texas game. It was so long ago. Yeah. I remember there was a lightning delay. Oh yeah, because
2: it rained. I remember, it was the first game, so you know it's in the middle of rainy season.
1: Yeah, it was hot. It was yeah, really hot. It was
2: really hot. So anyway, right. that's my pick. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. If you've never yeah, seen it, it, if you've never seen it before,
1: please. It's insane to look at the aerial shot of the crowd, and it's like yellow slash orange because that's the color that most people wore to the games. Now it's just black because that's like universally known. But it was ugly yellow slash mustard orange. And, uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Okay, so my third pick for the most entertaining games to pass the time. You ready for a curveball? Send it. UCF-Duke 2019 Basketball. Now, look, I know it's a heartbreaker, but I actually just rewatched this the other day. It's a freaking good game. It's a, you
2: watched the whole thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You
2: and Chris were making so much fun of me a couple of months ago when I had nothing to do. I was it was like a Friday afternoon. I got got off of work early and I watched the
1: whole game. Really? Yes. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna say everything you do is dumb. <laughs> That's what we do as friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean it's dumb? I, I really wanted to see
2: like that was the first time I ever watched it, like start to finish.
1: So many things happened that I forgot about in that game, and the craziest part was I remember being there. That timeout when we were up, I think four with like two minutes left or something like that. It felt like an hour. Cause the whole time we're all just waiting. We're like, all right, when's Duke going to take the league? When's this going to end? And then the timeout happens and we're just, you're just staring at the scoreboard and this isn't real. And then even then, I mean, so what Zion had the ball with like 24 seconds left. He drives questionable no call. On the push off on BJ, drives it in, makes a layup. Taco foul Taco fouls out. Taco falls out. (laughs) He fell out of the game. Taco fouls out. But even if he makes the free throw, we're still up one. Right. Or I was like, oh, there's no way
2: he's just gonna make the free throw and then we'll play a free throw game.
1: They missed the free throw. Duke gets it, puts it back, and all of a sudden we're down one. With a hook and hold. Now, here's another thing. Being at the game, we didn't see the hook and hold. I mean, no one saw that. There's no replays or anything like that. I wasn't even mad about that. You know who actually told me about that? This is crazy. Think about it. Who would be like the craziest, coolest UCF-related UCF employee to tell me about the hook and hold? Think all the way up. All the way up. Danny. Danny White. (laughs) So
2: <laughs> he pulled you out of the crowd and went, Sean, I saw a hook and hold.
1: No. So it's, this is even crazier. We go to just whatever like is the popular bar after it's Tristan's 21st birthday. And we're just sitting there at the bar. Danny White walks by and we're like, yo. So we start talking about the game and I'm like, look, you know what? At the end of the day, we had the ball down one with a chance to win and we couldn't make it happen and, you know, whatever. And he's like, yeah, but did you see the hook and hold? on the free throw before that both of us are like what like we didn't see that because you're at the game and there's no replays and then it was just like a game changer but yeah so i found (laughs) out about that from danny i could see your reaction now (laughs) (laughs) that (laughs) so yeah that's how i found out about that but yeah very awesome game to watch i mean johnny dawkins he wrote the perfect game plan for that for containing them and they didn't know what to do and it also you're
2: back on his train now I don't know. It's
1: debatable. <laughs> but, you know, another thing, too, is Aubrey played the game of his life. I mean, he just couldn't miss. He that's absolutely who I fe- couldn't That's miss. who I felt the worst for was him is because... It felt perfect, and that, you know, that's what makes it hurt so bad, too. Everything lined up so well, and then somehow we got unlucky on the one play that actually should have happened when... It felt like the entire game was kind of riding on luck.
2: Well, that's the thing that I think we can take a positive, if there's any positive from, is that they played the game of their life. They all, did, everyone man. on that court,
1: and a lot of seniors too. Bj, it just wasn't meant. Unfortunately, it just
2: wasn't meant to be.
1: I could understand, like, if it was any other opponent
2: too. If I we mean- blew something like real bad, <laughs> we that all which the time. I mean, there's a. You look back, hindsight's 2020. 20. Yeah, there's a couple of things we could have done differently to change the outcome of the game. But I think overall, everyone on the court played the game of their life.
1: Everyone did. I remember even Burtz made some random three, like the only time he touched the ball, I think, in the second half. It just felt like everything was perfect. And we've gone down this road so many times. But Dawkins, not only playing against his alma mater, he was an assistant coach there for six years. His son plays for UCF adding another level to it. Zion, the prospect of the century, the next LeBron James against Taco Fall, the tallest person in college basketball in 20 years. And he's in the G League and he's still getting hyped up. There were so many different storylines for it. I it I don't think I, I'll never get over it. I'll just say it. I will never get over it. I can appreciate it and I can understand why we lost, but I can't believe it was this. Here's
2: the thing is the great thing about YouTube is that this is gonna be around even when our kids grew up, you know? And we can tell them Dude, about all th- these games and the w- better thing is is that we have more to come. This is not like FGCU they were in the tournament one time, they made a presence. Is that ever gonna happen again? Probably not. But is UCF ever gonna make the tournament again?
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. We're not even good at basketball yet. Like that's the thing. This was us almost being Texas in 07. This is exactly the same thing. It was our first time on a big stage. We came up a little bit short, and it sucked at the time, but long-term, we came out good. I totally agree. Yeah, this was our Texas game. This and look is what like happened the after that. This, this is the beginning. This is the
2: beginning. Ah, I remember after that in 07, you know, we had a good year. In 08, we were 4-8. and eight Yep. In football.
1: Ooh, 20 is our 08.
2: Right. And 09 is our... That was the building block, the foundation for UCF basketball. is coming up a little bit short against an amazing opponent. All right, so the next one I got is a 2018 Pittsburgh game. It was a 35-3 to beatdown beat down of the Pittsburgh Panthers. Now, I watched the entire first half of this game while in line in customs in Miami. This was like the it-was-so-hot game. Where you know, it obviously so we had it was so hot, and the, the visitors are always in the sun. The big thing before the game was can Pittsburgh hang with UCF because this was a September game.
1: They ended up winning the ACC Coastal this year, which that year, that which, year, which crazy. was nuts. Yeah. yeah, so actually, if they had somehow beat Clemson in the championship game, we would have like beat the national champion, right? <laughs> but yeah, something <laughs> like that. So anyway, it really
2: wasn't that cool of a. Game. Probably because I was watching it on my phone, you know, in line uh, to get back into the country. And, you know, if you ever traveled internationally, they don't let you, like, have your phone out when you're coming back in for.
1: Oh, yeah. Dude, customs. are yeah. like strict about that. And you don't want to go to, like, international jail. It's not right. fun. Trust well, me. Well, we are in Miami.
2: That's pretty much international. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I don't care. My wife kept telling me, put your phone away. They're going to yell at you. And mm. I needed to watch my nights. Um, hey, and I mean then the entire second half, driving back to Fort Myers, I listened to Mar Daniels on the radio. Nice. So that was pretty cool.
1: I was going to say, I mean, she yelled at you for watching it on your phone, but I remember at your wedding, I was watching the two-lane game at the reception on what? my phone the whole no, time. No, you
2: weren't. We played Houston on my wedding day. That was somebody else's wedding. Oh,
1: that, you know, that was Pav's cousin's wedding. Oh. I well, know. I
2: remember a wedding that me and you went to, and that was the that was the game we lost to
1: Furman. I was really. Yeah, that was the oh, one. Robbie's where, wedding. Yeah. <laughs> oh. This is why you don't have weddings during football season.
2: And it doesn't really count for mine because the year that I got married was the O twelve
1: season. You didn't know and that was going to happen, right? No, the game was away. It was away at Houston. All right. Uh, my fourth pick. 2013 Louisville Friday Night Lights Down 21 Versus the number 8 team in the country Louisville Teddy Bridgewater You probably heard of him That was their quarterback And our quarterback was this guy named Blake Bortles He put the team on his back We came back from down 21 The significance of the Friday game Is the fact that everyone is watching it There's no other games on on Friday night Which is why I'm a big advocate of the weekday games, even though they're a pain in the butt for everyone, myself included, we get huge national exposure, which is actually something that Louisville did when they were in the Big East in a lesser-known program. They took all these Thursday and Friday games to get exposure. I digress. That was a great game. Down 21, come back. The rest is history. That was the beginning. And you know what's crazy is that if we didn't lose to number 6, USC... In week two, would we have made the playoff? There was no playoff then. <laughs> Trick question. But seriously, it's something to think about. All right, so... Uh, we watched this game together. I remember, right? We were no, Le- we didn't. You weren't at Leroy Selman's that night?
2: No, I remember distinctly where I was. That's what I was about to tell you. No!
1: Were you in Europe again?
2: No. Well, this is 2013. I-, I was poor. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I just graduated a couple years ago. So were you back. like a trash can? No.
1: No, it's crazy because, you know, every time people mention Ireland, they're like, why didn't you go? I'm like, I right. don't need money. There. Yeah, the they're same like, Wait, with me. you <laughs> didn't go? Like, it wasn't even an option for me at the time, whereas now it wouldn't be an option for us not to go. Right, exactly. Can you imagine? It's so weird.
2: Oh, we're blessed. Yeah. So anyway, it's my wife's birthday. And you know, my wife loves Disney. So Friday night after work, we're like, oh, let's go up to, you know, we're going to go up to Disney. To, we're going to go to Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. A classic thing for all young children and 20-somethings. I wish you guys could see to. our faces now because I am looking so confused
1: <laughs> and Moo is so serious. I have no idea where this story is going, but I'm, I'm here for the ride. Let's so I, I knew the UCF game was
2: on, but at the time I was like, oh, but, you know, i It's her birthday. I'll just refresh my phone, you know, do whatever she wants. Happy wife, happy life. So we're walking around, you know, having a great time. And uh, I'm seeing we're
1: down a lot. How much did we come back from? 21. So, I mean, we're we're down 21 points. You're down three scores to a top 10 team. Not surprising. Wasn't really
2: into it. Checking my phone every now and then. And if you've ever been to Disney on like a college football Saturday, which I have before a couple of times, You'll see, like, the different kind of dads. (laughs) Some of them just, like, discreetly look at their phone, you know, a couple times. Some of them are, like, watching the screens on their phones as they're walking. Some of them, like, you're sitting down to eat for lunch, and they got the iPad out. And they got the whole game, like, going, like, not paying attention to their families, like, at all. What family? (laughs) Right? So I was trying to be a good boyfriend at the time. And uh, anyway, long story short, we're coming back. I keep looking at the phone. We're only down one score. I'm refreshing, refreshing. We're on It's a Small World ride. And that's when Godfrey
1: caught the touchdown, caught
2: the touchdown from Blake Bortles. This is kind of like a somewhat water ride, like you're in this boat thing. And I like almost stand up on the little boat thing, and
1: I'm like... <laughs> Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
2: So that was how I found out that Blake Bortles and Jeff Godfrey uh, saved the day for UCF (laughs) back in
1: 2013. And, you know, you can point at, like, so many moments in our program's history that were like, oh, if this didn't happen, we would not be or whatever. But this was the turning point from us being like, kind of mediocre so we're legit you know you can point to a bunch of other times and stuff and games but this is where we first made our mark all right last up last pick let's go
2: all right the last game for me has got to be the 2018 fiesta bowl against lsu look i understand we lost but as far as an
1: exciting game like us being up 14 to 3 Dude, I remember when when we ran back that pick six. I remember, I started yelling twenty
2: six and oh, it was impossible for us to lose.
1: It, dude, I'm like, we did this, we did this, we're the best. That was uh, that's a feeling I missed because the come down from that sucked.
2: Yep. And then to still have, we did still
1: have a chance at the very end, even it, though it was slim. It never felt like it though. That's the thing. Like A lot of the times we've been coming back and I'm like, I can see this happening, yeah. and it does, it never felt that, like it. You're
2: right. That was probably the only
1: game in the last three years yeah. we've been down where I'm like, it, I just wasn't feeling it. Yeah, but I feel you. It was definitely very entertaining. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have went differently, but for the situation Mac was placed in, we did our best. And uh, there's not really much you can say. You know, I'm still pissed that Tristan didn't play the whole fourth quarter. I think it's bullshit, but... You know whatever Randy Shannon probably knows more than me so you want to put a second round draft pick on the bench for the whole fourth quarter that's you you know that's your prerogative so go ahead and do that all right my last pick <laughs> 2017 Peach Bowl I don't really have to say anything more that was a very entertaining game we were up what uh seven to three at halftime something I think it was like 10-7 10-7 but Auburn came out hot and scored twice not just me I think everyone was like, oh. This is what was supposed to happen. It felt like Auburn could score at will and we couldn't really do anything about it. But then we stopped them and then we scored and then we were up and then we had to pick six. And it was like, this is going to happen. But then in classic UCF fashion, we let them come back and we gave them the ball with a chance to tie at the end. And then they threw the pick to end the game. All right, last up. Let's do our questions in Moos Mailbag. First up, we have loyal listener MD Knight, twenty sixteen, part one, over under three point five knights drafted in the twenty twenty two NFL draft. Okay, that's forward thinkers, <laughs> but wait, <what? laughs>
2: I'll try and I'll try and answer. You don't um, think
1: he meant twenty twenty one?
2: Maybe, but that's not what it says. So We're gonna go 2022. I'm gonna say under only because I don't think there's ever been a draft that we've had four people go. So
1: yeah, that's think, my I mean, only reasoning for our, that. Our best draft was I think the the 18 with uh, Traquan, Akins, Hughes, and Shaquem. But yeah, that that's
2: it. That's, right, the so most, four. that's the most. That's the most we've ever had. Though. And that was the best team we've ever had. So yeah,
1: um. I think he meant twenty twenty one. I we'll answer it both ways. Even for twenty twenty one, I mean we have a lot of seniors this year. But I mean, as far as draftable, it's t- seniors. Uh, so Cole Schneider's a he's going to be a junior. He'll be eligible though, but I I don't see him leaving early. I, I mean, do. You do see? I think for Lyman, it's just they're not. They don't get enough attention to get boosted up. Yeah, but know, he was
2: already something. ranked like the. 15th or 16th best lineman like last year so coming into this year he didn't have as good of a season
1: though this year but yeah kind of like the richie grant thing though we thought we all thought he was gonna leave early and then he didn't uh it'll be interesting to see what we're we're losing a lot of people though um we lose uh trey nixon i think and marlin which is crazy and
2: mccray and otis
1: shoot and, like, all of our DBs, Tay Allen, uh, Bam will be back, but it'll be his last year, Aaron Robinson. Hey, but you know what? Next man up. That's what we've always been about. You know, like we said, we, we get players drafted and go to the NFL every year now. It's a regular thing. But there's always a the next man up. is just as good. I mean, look at our receivers. It, you know, Traquan to Snelson yeah, to Gabe Davis. Remember, Gabe Davis was, like, he barely even played in 17, yeah. which is crazy to think about because he's one of the best receivers we've ever had at UCF. And he was like a uh, like a secondary type receiver in 17. It it's just crazy. We 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 have so much talent though. You know, same thing with the running backs and stuff. The uh the next man up is always always going to be good. I I'll, I'll at least be confident in them. Um all right, part 2 of the question. Would you have guessed 12 teams wanted to sign AK? And does that say with a pro day he would have been drafted? That's a good question.
2: I mean, possibly. I think AK coming into it, even with a pro day, was always going to be like a third-day guy. Yes, You know, he was going to be a 6th, 7th rounder, borderline. I mean, the depth for running... You look at a guy like Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State. He was one of the greatest running backs that not just... You know, stats-wise, not just for Arizona State, but for Pac- all, tw- all of Pac-12. In college, college, yeah. In college, and
1: I think he went in late sixth. The running back demand is just not there because I think we've seen that they're just almost kind of plug-and-play, like almost replaceable in NFL offenses. It's kind of gone, you know, more of a passing game, and like you said, like we talked about earlier, teams don't even have really a featured back anymore. It's always multiple guys, and... um yeah, I don't know if him having a pro day would have made him get drafted in the seventh round, but, um, I, shoot, I just really wish we could get his, his 40 time because I feel like that would have been, like, super viral, him running, like, a four two four 4 or something. You know, honestly, anyone that's – like, Navelle Clark had offers from almost half the NFL, too. Just because these guys don't get drafted doesn't mean teams don't want them. But if they don't have to waste a draft pick to get someone, then they're not going to. Alright, thanks for your questions, Mike Alright, Moo, go Alright, next
2: question is from Haley In a worst case scenario Would you rather have football played without spectators And we can only watch on TV Or no football at all If we can't be there
1: Come on No football? Well, I don't know
2: if this is as easy of a answer That you're thinking about here What do, uh, you, got? What do
1: you got? Football or no football? I choose football What do you mean?
2: Well, especially for you, because you go to 90% of
1: the game, so, like...
2: Yeah, but... I feel like this ruins your whole... Saves a bunch
1: of money. Dude, I love sitting on my couch. What do you mean? <laughs> if you love sitting on your couch, why do you go to every game? Because it's so much fun, but if there's not an option, then... Dude, football or no football, are you kidding?
2: What? Yeah, I guess we just have to have, like, bigger parties or something. I don't know. I I'd hate watching a game, like, by myself. I mean... It happens more than once a season, but like I'll be, you know, the away games because I go to most of the home ones. I'm just sitting there like pretty much by myself, like I, watching I, the game. I and love
1: I, it because I just, I'm like all over Twitter at that point.
2: Uh, that's not fun to me. I'd rather be with a bunch of people, you
1: know. No, I, I agree. But <laughs> the question was football or no football? I mean, dude. I guess it's football. Can you imagine the bounce house, dude, empty? Like so, like okay. I'm so, gonna have to adjust my power ratings
2: based on that.
1: So what? It, so all right. Imagine the first game. UNC, crowdless game. Can we just like stand out in the parking lot and yell? They could probably hear us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like, I think for the fanless games, technically families are allowed to go. But then like, if someone's mom like yells, like everyone can hear exactly what they're saying. You know what I'm saying? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird to think about. I mean, I if there's know. fanless games, I'm I'm sitting outside of the stadium, like one hundred percent. Well there's gotta be Okay, so how many people can fit
2: in like a section? A couple hundred? Well there's probably like fifteen So what's fifteen times like fifteen or like twenty. Two twenty five? The upper bowl's like twenty six rows, I think.
1: Twenty six times well twenty times fifteen is three hundred, so I don't know, like four hundred? Alright, so you could probably have like three fifty.
2: I don't know, 50 people socially distancing per second. So
1: if you did every other seat and then every other row, that's like a quarter less.
2: All right, so 10,000 or 11,000 <laughs> screaming. <laughs> that's just not going to work. I
1: don't understand this. Oh, dude. It just ruined everything. Think like... about
2: how much better life was a couple of months ago.
1: <laughs> I don't understand any of this stuff. It just, it's so... And who even knows? I don't even know. Like I don't watch the news anymore. There's all these like YouTube videos. Everyone thinks it's a conspiracy. I don't think it's that big of a conspiracy. I'm pretty sure like more people would speak up if like this thing wasn't that serious. But who knows? I I don't know. Like I and it, honestly, it doesn't matter what we think. We just have to do what people tell us. Yeah. So I've kind of given up on like the whole argument part of it. And,
2: and kind of you know this next question kind of goes along with a Golden Knight two Yes. In the event games are played with fans in the stands again, do you think there will be guidelines that will allow a fraction of the stadium capacity to attend the game or will it be back to sold out crowds again this upcoming season? Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be an opportunity for us to fill the bounce house at least this season or maybe like the first half of the season. I don't know. It's all a very fluid situation.
1: It's weird, too, because now we're finding out more people had it and didn't have symptoms. So that means they can't get it again. But then people are using that as an argument for the fact that, like, we overreacted. Well, no, like, New York was on the brink of, like, complete meltdown and, like, their hospitals being overfilled if they didn't do a complete lockdown. And no matter how many people had it, they were asymptomatic. Didn't change the fact that the hospitals almost didn't have enough room for these people. So I don't know, it, but this thing's not going away, too. Like I, we're like reopening stuff, and it's just like nothing changed. We just like realize I think we have a better grasp of it, so now we can be safer. But I, there's still a bunch of cases and stuff. I, I don't know, man. It, I, I don't know. I hope we look back at all this, and I just we're all wrong, and like I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> But it re- work itself out. So, <clears throat> thinking about fanless or like socially distanced crowds for football, like I just pictured it and it was painful. Yeah. And I know
2: it's easy to say, football I want to be with no the football. people, man. That's the only reason you go to games is to be around with other people. people. Yeah,
1: we're just watching at home. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Man. Uh, it's what? getting
2: too depressing.
1: <laughs> no, it's, it's, look, guys, I mean, we're gonna be okay. We'll figure this out. I don't. I think we're gonna play football. And you know what? Think about this. If you can't go to the game, it's not the friggin' end of the world. Because just think, what if the season was canceled? Yeah,
2: I better be getting a refund because I just got dinged again for my monthly. <laughs> oh, I <payments>. got <laughs> I got <laughs> that tickets. too.
1: Friggin' ninety one dollars or yeah. whatever. Um. So what if? So hypothetically, if we have to do socially distanced fan game watching, um. You know, and everyone's spaced apart. What does that mean? You get to like pick two home games? You know what I'm saying? Because everyone's a season know. ticket holder. I don't know. <laughs> like what Only
2: season ticket holders are able to enter the game. How about that?
1: Well that's like forty four thousand or forty thousand. Is it? All right. Well, so we're like sold no, so everyone literally would have to pick like pick your two games that you want to go to or something.
2: Okay, so then how do they do priority with like I don't know. <laughs> It's just, <sighs> well, let's hope it doesn't come down to that.
1: I'd hate to be the person in charge of like, all right, say they're like, okay, you can have fans at games and you have to be like socially distanced. I would hate to be the person in charge of logistics for like, <laughs> not just figuring out who goes to what games, but like usher implementation and oh, just like, no. yeah, especially <laughs> you, you have a great reputation with stadium ushers. Oh, <laughs> me and them get along way good. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Uh, You know what? For a second there. I was thinking about football, thinking about the bounce house bouncing and uh made me feel okay. We we still have football to look forward to. We're going to be all right. I'm just going to keep in that mindset. Hey, did you see that
2: uh the article came out, I guess ESPN had their FPI, like power index and they actually they had a playoff predictor. Oh, Whoa. Ooh, playoffs? Yeah. Playoffs, playoff predictor that had us having a decent shot at having another undefeated season and possibly into the playoffs. What did you think about that? So they said, what was it, ten
1: percent playoff chance?
2: Yeah. What? Which is way bigger than any <laughs>
1: chance that that thing has ever. I mean, <laughs> given us. That's like, I, I mean, think of like roulette. You have a one in thirty-six chance. Like it's three times better than hitting a random number on roulette. Yes. That's actually like possible. Math. Normally it's like one percent. Or I think we're actually normally under like the the less than sign and then one percent on the predictor. Always. Like if everyone loses out, we're still at less than (laughs) one (laughs) percent. No, and there's uh the one five thirty eight, you know, the politics like tracking statistics website, Nate Silver, when it gets down to the last week or two, they have a thing where you can simulate like, you can put in the results of, like, who wins and who loses and conference champions and, like, play out the scenario. And even when I do, every single team ahead of us losing and us winning, it still puts us at, like, 1%. Yeah, sometimes it just bees that way. But, but uh, yeah, anyway,
2: no. we di- it. The moral of the story or the big part of the story is that it gave us a better shot than any of the other Florida schools. Yep. Which is just something else that, some Where's more that the ammo ball? in the, in the barrel there for uh for Twitter. No, for sure.
1: For I mean, just think about it though. UNC is going to be good. It's we, going to be a top twenty matchup. Yeah, Memphis is probably going to be ranked by the time we play them too. Freaking Gainwell. I can't wait for him to rush for like 400 yards and us still beat them. <laughs> <laughs> In keeping with true Memphis tradition. Yep. <laughs> oh man. Uh, no, it's it's cool to think about. Um, and I feel like we say it's the beginning of every season, but like I feel like this season, like with with how many seniors and stuff we have losing, I feel like this is the season. This is it. This is Make it. your Break. Yeah. Till next. Oh, all right. Speaking of, see McKenzie. I did. Yeah, wow. Got that
2: quarantine cut. I'm going to have to get me one of those. I know. So I got a mop on my head right now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, he's got the Blake Bortles kind of like pushing <laughs> back double horn hairline, but uh, we won't talk about that. No, it's good to see him out there throwing. He was throwing to uh, Jordan Aikens, Traquan uh, Snelson, and Gabe Davis like in some park or something. But it, this is such a weird thing, but why can't he come back and play now? I
2: mean I mean he can't he can obviously throw I saw in the videotape it is it just depends on how mobile he is. So Dylan Gabriel or do McKenzie. You need, do you need to be mobile though? I don't know. It's not like they made
1: Gabriel run in any this past year. I mean we had this we talked about this every week, like why is he afraid to run? And then he did and he was good. Think of how much better Gabriel would get sitting behind K Z for one year though. I mean, it wouldn't get worse. Uh, just having KZ, like, in the quarterback room,
2: though, and on the bench, I feel like he's gotten the same kind of experience.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It'll be weird, but, you know, I've, I've been saying this all along. It's Dylan's job to lose, though. It's not McKenzie. I mean, it's not, like, his throne that he just has the rights to. I mean, he did everything for us, but at the same time, you know, Dylan did a great job last year, so McKenzie's going to have to prove he's better and – uh I hope he does. It'll be fun. Maybe
2: he is. Maybe he isn't.
1: Hey, you know what? If that's the worst thing, like the worst problem we have to deal with coming into the football season, I'll take it. Yep. (laughs) Um, All right. That's it. You got anything else? No, I guess that's it. Yeah. You remember sports are canceled? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I guess summer. It's a summer.
1: uh, We we were supposed to play uh, USF in baseball today. I still have the calendar thing. I can't get it off of my phone. It says, oh, baseball canceled versus USF. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it.
2: Um, It It's also supposed to be the Kentucky Derby this past weekend. Oh, yeah. made me a little sad.
1: I know. We still got to go that one time. I've been three times. Moon never wanted to go.
2: But it's Uh, not that I didn't want to go. I couldn't go. I've always wanted to go, dude.
1: That one day where it was Cinco de Mayo, the Kentucky Derby, and the Mayweather-Pacquiao fight on one day was yeah, like was the craziest epic. day of my life. <laughs> Especially being epic. being there at the Derby. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, again, congrats to all the uh, to the graduates and stuff. Um, I know it sucks that you know you couldn't walk or whatever, but honestly, not that big of a deal. And you got a Zoom speech by Shaquem and Shaquille Griffin. So. Something nice that wouldn't happen. Yeah, all we got at our graduation was Buddy Dyer. Oh, I remember that.
2: <laughs> I would have took the Griffin twins over him. I know, right?
1: Uh, alright. Love you guys. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Go nights. Charge on.
2: Sure.